Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. Hi, it's Melissa Joy. Americans are radically changing their habits as stay-at-home orders replace business as usual. What technology can help people cope in a time of social distancing? And what will stick in the aftermath of coronavirus? Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Bill McManus. Bill is part of the Applied Insights team for Hartford Funds. In his current position, Bill is responsible for engaging and educating both financial advisors and their clients about current and emerging topics in the financial services marketplace. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. Melissa, thank you for having me. Very excited to to be here with you. Well, we have a very, uh, you know, a new and emerging topic that we're talking about today, which is technology usage in a crisis like we have right now with COVID-19. I'm fortunate, I feel fortunate to have you as a resource because you have been doing research with the MIT Age Lab about technology and aging, which put you in a place to have much more knowledge more quickly than many of us who are just catching up. Can you tell me a little bit about that work? Uh, yes, absolutely, Melissa. And, and you're right, we are, we are very fortunate at, at Hartford Funds, myself and my team. Uh, we have access and we've partnered with really some of the, the top thought leaders and academics uh, in, in our, our industry today to really gain some, some insight uh, that we can really find to be practical and, and applicable in everyday life. The one, as you mentioned, one of our top partnerships is, is with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and this program they have called the Age Lab, which, yes, is studying you know, primarily demographics and extended life expectancies, the effect of that, but it's multidisciplinary, so it's great. We've got resources that have backgrounds in psychology and sociology, technology, all these different aspects. So we're really able to take that, that sort of broad pool of knowledge and research and find ways to really make it, make it applicable uh, for folks out there, whether we're thinking about challenges around retirement or you know, challenges like we're dealing with right now. I love the, you know, multiple ways that that information can apply and that it's so research-based. Oh, absolutely. It's just a fantastic uh, resource that we have there and they're really great to work with for sure. So we have a new age that w- which we will not soon forget, the age of social distancing with COVID-19. And I'm going to refer in our conversation to a paper that you put together, Five Ways Technology Can Make Social Distancing Easier, and we'll make sure to reference that in our show notes so that our audience is able to check it out. But what trends are you seeing where technology is helping to cope? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, again, sort of uh, fortuitous that we, we've had an existing research project kind of geared to this. That was called Five Ways, or is called Five Ways Technology Will Change How You Age. 
So we sort of had a basis of research that we've done around this. Now we're applying it obviously to the situation that we're in now. And you mentioned the word, and, and my guess is it'll go down as the, as the word of, of the year, uh, 2020, or, or I'm sorry, word of the year 2020, social distancing, right? Social distancing will probably forever, you know, now be in the lexicon of every American. But if you think about it, Melissa, that, that's actually not accurate in terms of what's going on. What's more accurate is we're physically distancing. Socially, you might actually argue that we're more connected now to a broader set of people with more frequency than we ever have before due to this amazing technology that we have at our fingertips and our, at our disposal. So it's kind of interesting how that word's come about, but it's really not, not completely accurate in terms of what we're doing. You're right. It, you know, and vocabulary is changing week to week, uh, but there is new ways to connect. I saw last weekend was Easter and Passover, family seders or Easter dinners that were conducted over Zoom. We are sitting in different states, but talking to each other in a way where, you know, it's like we're connected. So, so you're right that the nomenclature may not be exactly appropriate but we're establishing new habits and trying to be flexible and adapt. You're absolutely right. And, and I think we've, we've all, you know, come to find ways to find efficiencies around that. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking about this last uh, weekend, I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine. I think this was the first Easter in my entire life that I didn't do an Easter egg hunt at my grandmom's house uh, for brunch. Uh, but we all managed to, Still get together, you know, throughout the weekend, uh, virtually through all these different tools we have, whether it is, you know, with, with, with FaceTime or Zoom or all these, you know, wonderful uh, ideas. I think the key is just understanding um, what's the best, most efficient way to use it. I think we're all learning that together. And, and I think the key with everything we're going to have uh, conversations around today is to, you know, share this information, right? We always get these tips and tricks from other people like us who have used that. So I think that's the key here is being open-minded uh, around all this technology and really understanding that there there is a a benefit to it, especially from the, the social connectivity standpoint. Um, so important that the Age Lab um, actually has research around you know challenges that people face around longevity. One of them is being being lonely uh, loneliness, which we see across all demographics throughout the United States. Uh, and we've seen research from a health standpoint how that can be really detrimental. Now, we never want to say that this technology is going to completely replace social interactions, but it certainly is a great supplement, right, to, to get us to stay connected with family and friends and find new connections out there. Yeah, there's a stigma that when it comes to technology that we've probably been combating for the last 10 or 20 years that technology is for younger people. And you, you know, if you're older, you're, you're, um, you should not use technology. You should go to the old old methods of communication, like good old postage stamps in the U.S. mail. Um, but I think that there are lessons to be learned during this time period. I have a client whose wife is in a nursing home and he can check in on her via um, FaceTime conversations where the, he can't go to visit because for safety reasons, but the staff is able right. to connect him to her and um, connect a voice, but also for him to be able to check in. Um, so I think that this is defying the stigma. Well, absolutely. And, and it, it's kind of funny you bring that up because the age lab for years that we've been working with them from the research that they have found, they actually find that, that, um, older people will actually take more time learning and perfecting a technology 
the key is there has to be a, a clear benefit to it. And I think now in this world that we've sort of been thrust into, we're seeing the benefits, right, of, of using this technology because it is keeping us connected when unfortunately, you know, just for the time being, we're, we're not able to. So I think that'll continue to drive adoption and awareness around it. That's a great, that's a great indicator of what technology is appropriate to use, that it's not just because it's novel, it's because it has a function and is useful. So I think we could all benefit from that because we, there's, there are so many opportunities to access technology and you don't have to use everyone. Absolutely. It's all about finding what's, what's the most beneficial and easy to use for, for you. But then, you know, again, also recognizing that there really is great benefits that can come out of it. So since you have this background, which has been exploring technology and how it can be implemented within people's lives, are there any areas of technology that you're surprised are not being discussed more uh, during the, this time period or that you think would be useful but under-recognized? Yeah, I, I think uh, one thing that I think will be interesting coming out of this, and we have been talking about it to a certain extent, but more directly as it applies to the situation we're dealing with now with COVID-19, but just the healthcare technology. Mm-hmm. I think we, we've already sort of been on the cusp of, of this boom of um, self-diagnostic type technology, right? We hear now about all this t- these types of testings and things like that, and, and maybe not applicable for, you know, the exact situation we're in, but there's people that are, are you know, um, managing health conditions all the time, right? So when we think about wearables and, and things that can keep track of, of basic, you know, diagnostics that can indicate if there might be a, a problem now or in the future, I think that will continue to be developed and really have an impact and, and really have an impact on not, not only the quantity of life that we've experienced, but quality as well as we're, we're, we're navigating through that period. So that'll be interesting to see all the developments of healthcare that have already been sort of, you know, being worked on, but then just continue to, to improve. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've, I've seen some of the artificial intelligence or bigger data that's coming through that can track, you know, what parts of the country have fevers. We've already started to get some indications that there may be, even as relates to the virus, that we there may be technology usage to track um, contact with those who are exposed and things like that. And then we just have right. the regular, you know, you want to avoid going to the doctor right now if you aren't ill. And, you know, my husband has a sprained ankle right now. We may need to do a, um, a, a teleconference in order to diagnose or mm-hmm. treat. Yeah, and that's yeah, that brings up another point. You know, if we get some efficiencies right that come out of this with telemedicine and, and things like that, um, could you know have a, a, certainly an, an impact on the healthcare system overall as we move forward. That makes sense. So, where do you see things? We also have a major change in terms of education. Where I have a six and a ten year old, and they're at home learning from home. Um, so in that education sector also, whether it's for adults or children, do you think that people will be staying apprised and staying fresh through new technology gateways? I absolutely think so. And I, and I think that this was already happening uh, before. And a lot of that's due to, to actually some, some pretty interesting research that we saw from, from the Age Lab before. Um, and I'll ask you this, this question as well, Melissa, and we'll sort of, you know, see if it falls in line with the survey. But uh, they did this research a couple of years ago, and they went around the, the country, and they asked people 
to write down the answers to four questions, year of your birth, gender, zip code, we get all the socioeconomic data that we need. But then we ask people, write down two things you envision yourself doing after age 65. And so, so think about that. What do you envision yourself doing after age 65? What do you think some of the top answers were? What would you say, Melissa? Um, travel. Travel is number one. That's always sort of the first answer everyone gives. <laughs> is there the no, learning the, involved or volunteering? Well, the number two answer was really interesting. The number two answer was work. Mm. I'm still going to work. Yep. So, and we think about it just because of extended longevity and life expectancies, we're just working, working longer. And the, the key there is if we're going to stay engaged longer, what the age lab tells us is we basically need to become lifelong learners as well, mm -hmm. just because technology and culture just moves at such a rapid pace right now. We constantly have to be updated, you know, you and I in our industry, right? We're constantly having to learn more to stay on top and make sure that we're, you know, providing the, the right knowledge and, and passing it down to, to clients ultimately. And the fact that we have access to so much information now is really the cool thing through technology. So whether it is with podcasts or with, you know, TED Talks or, you know, co online courses that we can take, um, things that are, are designed now for, for the children, obviously, as we've come out of this, but there's just so many different things. And we reference a lot of them within uh, the, the workbook worksheet that we're going to make uh, available to everybody. I think it's kind of interesting how a lot of the stuff that we're talking about from technology has been creeping in, but now it just might, you know, the, the foot might be down on the gas a little bit more in light of the situation that we're all experiencing together. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I've been reflecting upon is that we have unlimited resources and those existed. There, there's some cool new ones that exist today, like you referenced um, Broadway in your living room or different um, courses that have become um, more accessible. Some of the most popular Ivy League courses are now available, but a lot of those existed before. One of the things that I've been interested in thinking about is that there's so much information, whether it's during this time or post COVID-19, but you really need to create a curriculum where you can feel contentment and fulfillment versus just like um, an ADHD type going from one shiny object to another. Right. Right. Um, you know, I'll give, I'll give um, a little guideline that might help sort of narrow this down. And this is something we've been talking about for years and, and it has a lot of applications, but I think to what you're talking about. So sitting down, spending some time and thinking about what we call the rule of eights. Uh, and so that's four things and they all end with A-T-E. Uh, so number one, where do we congregate? Two, recreate. Three, educate. And four, donate, right? Not only our, our dollars, but our time. So if you think about those four things about, you know, yourself, where do you congregate? Is it, obviously we're limited with that now from a physical standpoint, but you know, um, civic organization, church organization, something like that within the community, recreate, you know, what is it that we really enjoy doing? Is it travel? Is it, um, you know, maybe some physical activity and the like, educate, which we were just, you know, talking about. And then lastly, donate. If we sort of have that framework and we know these, these are the things that I really enjoy doing. These are the things that motivate me. Then we can seek out the tools that we have right now that can help aid in that. I think that's great. And I also am encouraging people to set up boundaries within their life because you can, uh, you know, when you're working from home, living at home, educating at home, it can feel like there's no off button 
or, you know, that you typically had buffers where, oh, I've got to get the kids to soccer practice or it's time, you know, to go to church. So those are, don't exist right now. So if you're finding that you're just kind of being driven by external factors, make sure you hardwire in some boundaries into your day. I absolutely agree with that. I um, read an article, I can't remember the source, but it was talking about, you know, building a schedule to then make your weekends actually feel like weekends and your work days feel productive. And I think that's important, again, whether we're in a situation where that's, you know, permanent if we're in retirement or if it's something that we're, you know, obviously experiencing right now. Well, that's really helpful. I, I guess I would leave our conversation by asking, how do you think things will be different when we go back to the new normal? or when restrictions are lifted, what kind of habits of technology will we carry with us? Yeah, I think that there definitely, as I mentioned before, a lot of this stuff has sort of been bubbling, right? But now we've kind of been thrust into figuring out how to use it. I think we will see a lot of efficiencies come out of this in terms of how we use technology around that. Um, I think especially from like a social connectivity standpoint, a lot of people who maybe were resistant to it now are going to incorporate it. And I think that's going to be good. Uh, I do see a return to somewhat normalcy. I mean, I can't wait to, you know, see, see my family and go out to, uh, you know, dinner and with my friends and things like that. Um, so I think, you know, we'll, we'll, it'll be different certainly when we emerge. And I think, I think the benefit of the technology, I think we'll all be very appreciative of the technology that we had during this time frame. And yes, you know, certainly some of that will, will carry forward. Um, you know, going forward. I agree with you. You know, as people think toward the future, it makes them feel so much more comfortable if they have some certainty in terms of what they see. And now more than ever, you know, you just want to, like, I don't care what the future is. I just want to know when and how it's going to look. So there's, there's these kind of cautionary articles right now saying, we're never going back to normal. Things are not going to change. And, and I just think that the human condition will overcome um, any kind of prognostication in, in our old habits die hard, I guess. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it's, and that's, that's just, you know, my personal uh, opinion. I just, you know, again, just sort of the human nature, right? We don't want to want to engage and do things again. It'll be a little bit different, but, it, but we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to observe as we go through uh, this period. Well, Bill, you have some fantastic resources and we're going to make sure that our listeners are able to link through to them. And here at Pearl Planning, we're also working hard to make sure that you have information available for both how to react to this social distancing and the economic changes that are occurring as an investor, but just also as a human being, like our guided meditation, or we have an upcoming yoga course. So um, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll continue to provide information that we think you can use, whether it's in a disruptive time or just a normal week. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. You can access our first eight episodes now, and we'll be releasing new episodes each Monday. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.